So this evening, I've just got the privilege to, to share a message. Um, and uh, just the message that I had or have for you guys this, this evening is something that I was thinking about a lot last week. Um, the questions that I had for myself was, you know, especially after Easter, you know, you know what do you really say? What do you talk about? Um, and me being me, I went back to the Bible and I just looked at what did Jesus really do? You know, after his resurrection, that's something that I just said, hey, let me just see and, 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 and try and understand. And there's this beautiful scripture um, in John 20 that I just want to, to take us through this evening. But ultimately, what I'm doing is I'm just telling you truth that you already know. It's truth that we all know, but I just want to remind us. And I think the fact that, or the mere fact that Jesus actually reminded um, the disciples of the simple truth after his resurrection means that we also ought to hear that simple truth and just see, you know, are we still living this um, truth? And uh, the scripture for us this evening is John 20, verse 19 to 23. It says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Um, and it was interesting here, just to give a bit of context, why they were afraid, which actually makes sense. I mean, number one, um, their, Jesus, actually their leader, was crucified. And I mean, obviously, what would happen if you actually, whether you watch a lot of movies or you read a lot of stories or whatever it is, normally if a leader is taken out, the next thing to happen is the followers are going to be hunted down. So, so as the disciples, they're thinking, are we next? You know, are we going to get um, killed? Are we going to get arrested? And which is why they were scared. That's number one. Number two, what had happened was um, the Pharisees, after Jesus was, was crucified and he was about to be buried, um, the Pharisees said, hey, this Jesus guy kept saying he's going to come back in three days. So if we don't put guards, you know, people are going to come and steal his body. Let's just make sure we guard the tomb so that obviously after three days he doesn't come back. Then what happens was after three days, Jesus is resurrected. The tomb is empty. And now the guys are confused. They don't know what, what to do. So they actually, uh, in Matthew 20, they came up with this rumor to say, if people ask the question, where is the body of Jesus? Say the disciples stole them. So there was also the rumor that was going around. So obviously, if you add insult to injury that your leader was crucified, they were also scared that, hey, there's this rumor going on, so we're going to be falsely accused that we stole the body of Jesus. And that is why they were scared. So suddenly Jesus was standing there amongst them. Peace be with you, he said. As he, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And just truth number one, and I just want us to spend time with this, is what did Jesus mean when he say, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And if you go back a couple of weeks, you know, Brent, Brent reminded us of John 3.16, and he said, ultimately, everything started with the Father. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he, you know, he sent his one and only Son. So the starting point there was the point of God loving the world, then sending his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning, Jesus came down for a specific mission. Jesus came down for a very specific mission. And even when he was fulfilling that, that, uh, that specific mission, time and time again, he kept reminding the disciples, I'm not here on my own accord. I'm not here, for, I'm not here on holiday. I'm here for a specific mission. 
If we read John 4:34, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And we see that Jesus is telling his disciples, Yes, we might eat natural food, but understand my mission, my, 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 my nourishment comes from the fact that I have a mission and I need to complete that mission. John 8, 28 to 29 says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. As I was reading, as I was reading that, I found that quite interesting. He says, I only do what I have been taught by my Father. Or I only say what I've been taught by my Father. Now, if you've read the Gospels, we've got four, four Gospels. Jesus says a lot. He says a lot of things. And just to sit back and just think about that, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said is what he learned from his Father. And once again, we're seeing this, this utter obedience. We're seeing Jesus time and time again doesn't take credit for the words that he, he's saying, doesn't take credit for the works that he's doing because he understands that the mission that he's been sent to do is not his mission. It's the Father's mission, and he has a responsibility to be obedient to that mission. And what's interesting is Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus could have done anything he wanted, but to have the humility to say, it is not my mission, it is the Father's mission. So I have a responsibility to inquire from the Father as I am on this mission so that I am still aligned with his will. And it's something interesting that we see. And some of the things that Jesus said, I mean, he said a lot, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. It wasn't Jesus boasting about who he is. It was Jesus once again repeating what he has been taught by the Father. He said, I'm the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. John 15:10 says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And I love what Kalipa spoke about earlier on, obedience, obedience. And Jesus in this John 15 verse is saying, He's reminding the disciples time and time again, I was 100% obedient to the Father. I was 100% obedient to the mission. Now then the question is, what was Jesus actually saying when he says, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So this is what Jesus was saying. He's saying, you spent three years with me. I've been sent on mission. And when I was on mission, I was 100% dependent on the Father. And when I was 100% dependent on the Father, the Father 100% never let me down. Not only that, he was faithful to what he said he would do. And look at me now, I am alive. Now, just as I have trusted the Father, do you trust me? Just as I have been obedient to the Father, Will you be obedient to me? Just as I have been sent on mission and I completed my mission, I am now giving you a mission. And that's pretty much what Jesus was saying. So the first truth that we see the church is we are on mission. 
and we should not lose sight of that. We are on mission. And what is the mission? In Matthew 28, it says, you know, I've given you all authority, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them. That's the mission. The mission hasn't changed. We have been given a mission, and I think sometimes we lose focus of the truth or we lose sight of the truth, but church, we are on mission. Easter was great, and I really loved it, and we were celebrating, but we need to, obviously, I mean, if you think about it, we, we met Jesus as Savior, we've chosen him to be our Lord, and we have a responsibility to go out there and share the gospel for people that do not know this beautiful gospel that we have. The reality is each and every one of us are connected to people that only you can talk to. And if we don't have the courage to actually step out and share the gospel, how then will they hear the gospel? How then, just like what Kalipa said earlier on, how then will they get this hope that we already have from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? The first truth that we see the church is we are on mission. And the second truth that I just want to share with us this evening is in verse 22, which is, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7 to 8, it says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, once again, if you keep that picture in mind, I highlighted earlier on to say, every word that Jesus says is what he has learned from the Father. Now, if he's saying words that he learned from the Father, and he says something like this, it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. I mean, those are words directly from the Father as much as Jesus is saying them. I mean, we have a responsibility to listen and say, what are you on about? And what Jesus was necessarily saying that was, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you go back all the way to Genesis, when, when, um, when the Father created Adam, you know, the Bible says he breathed life into Adam, and Adam was alive. Now, similarly, you know, we've been forgiven we've been um, we've we've been yeah we've been forgiven we've been commissioned but now for the commission to have life we see how in the bible it says jesus breathed the holy spirit and we see this beautiful picture that we need the power of the holy spirit to be able to minister we need the power of the holy spirit to be able to be a witness acts 1 verse 8 says you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses everywhere and that word witness, um, if you've been to court or maybe you've never been to court, the reason why there's a witness, a witness is someone that has reliable information about that particular case or he's got reliable evidence that will shed light about that particular case. So when we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we become a reliable witness. We, we are able to lift up our hand and say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We're able to say that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We're able to say Jesus Christ was crucified, but he defeated death. And we're able to say Jesus Christ right now is sitting on the right-hand side of the Father. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't be a reliable witness. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, what's basically happening is we're just speaking from our own wisdom, and there's just no power, no power in what we do. There's no fruit in what we say. In one of the Gospels, Jesus actually said, how will, you know, how will you be able to tell false prophets? He said, by their fruits, you will tell, you will tell whether or not they, they, they good or bad prophets. So similarly, without the power of the Holy Spirit, what we say, what we do, there won't be any fruit in that. So the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the words when we 
don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us, is the one that nudges us. Uh, we see this time and time again in the, in, in the, in the book of Acts, where sometimes the, Paul will be like, I need to go to this direction. But the Bible will say the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. Why? That was the guiding of the Holy Spirit telling Paul, that is not the direction you need to take. The Holy Spirit is the one that reminds us of everything that Jesus has done. And the, and the, and the second truth that I want to leave us with this evening is we need the power of the Holy Spirit. As a church, we're going to go through a journey in the next couple of weeks where we're going to go a little bit deeper just to understand, you know, the Holy Spirit and whatnot. But at this point in time, just understand that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the third truth I want to leave us with this evening is in verse 23. It says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, when you read this at first pass, you're probably thinking, is God actually saying, the, is, is the power of forgiveness sitting with the disciples? That is not what the scripture is saying. Um, if, you, if you've actually, you know those annoying maths, maths questions um, where there's like three or, four, uh, three or four questions and then there's question one and then question one absolutely knocks you out and you're like, okay, let me go to question two. And then question two starts by saying, based on the answer you got in question one, you know, kind of, kind of that story. The reason I'm saying that example is that this verse is a follow-up to the previous verse. And what, it, what, the, what this verse actually is saying is, from a point where you are fully obedient to Christ, from a point where you are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will have the power to declare when you talk to people that the only way to see the Father is through Jesus Christ. And we simply need to believe in the finished work that he did on the cross. And when we do that, our sins are forgiven. And if someone says, absolutely, I believe in that, you're able to declare you are forgiven. But on the other side, if you say the same story and the person is, you know, his heart is hardened, doesn't want to listen, you can still say with full confidence that because you're choosing to not use the only way to see the Father, unfortunately, say, oh, ma'am, you are not forgiven. It's not an arrogance thing. It's just us saying it like it is. You know, there, there are things, especially with, with, the, with this faith that we have, that are not, they're not black and white. They're simply clear. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we do not believe in him, you are simply not forgiven. And it's, and it's a fact. And that's the second truth that we need to understand, that the conversations that we have, are we, are we reminding people about the story of forgiveness? Or are we just having a watered-down conversation? You know, are we just saying, well... Tian's is a good person, so it is what it is, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. No, 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 no. Good people do not meet the Father. Only forgiven people meet the Father. And the conversations that we, 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 we have with people that obviously haven't met the Father, we need to be reminding them that, hey, there is a Jesus Christ and he has done the work. We have been forgiven, but do you believe in the finished work? We are commissioned. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And we have been forgiven. There's a question on the banner on the screen which says, what's next? And the answer that I have there for you is, as the Father has sent Jesus Christ, Jesus sends us equipping us with the Holy Spirit. That's simply what's next. That's what's next. Jesus was sent. He has sent us. But he has not sent us alone. He has equipped us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's this picture I, just, I want to leave us with just to emphasize this three truths. And once again, it's truth that we know, but I just want to use this picture of an ecosystem. So I, I'm, I'm not an ecologist, 
Um, but I do know that the study of ecology is, 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 is the study of relationship between animals, plants, and um, the environment. Um, and there's this beautiful picture that talks about an ecosystem. Um, so there was this one park, uh, I think it's Yellowstone Park, if memory serves me well. Um, there was this one park where um, many years ago there used to be, there were wolves in that park. And then those wolves were taken out and then there was a lot of deer in that, in that park. So for about 70 years, there were no wolves in that park and the deer just grazed everywhere. I mean, it was free willy. I mean, there's no, there's no apex predator, life is good, and they just grazed everywhere. And then what had happened was, you know, because they grazed everywhere, the soil didn't have enough time to, to recover. So there was a lot of damage in the soil. Also, there was a lot of overpopulation. It was just not good for the park. So there's one smart cookie or smart ecologist said, hey, maybe let's just add a couple of wolves and just maybe they will help slow down the population um, of the deer. That's what they did. They introduced the, the wolves in the park, and they started to realize that the behavior of the deer was actually quite different. So in the, before the wolves, the deer would graze everywhere, but now that the wolves were introduced to, the, to this ecosystem or to this environment, the deers were quite finicky. They'll be like, okay, if we go to that part of the park, we're more prone to be attacked, so we'd rather just stay in the open plains where we can see if there's, an a threat, if there's a threat coming, you know, around us. Now, because the deers decided to not go to certain parts of the park, especially areas like valleys or areas that are close to the river, that area or that soil got rehabilitated. Now, because that area got rehabilitated, trees that were not growing started to grow. Now, because the trees that uh, were not there were now starting to grow, you know, animals like singing birds started to come back. And also because those trees were growing along the riverbank, um, animals like beavers decided to come back. And because beavers came back, they would eat on those trees. And I mean, you, well, I know this from cartoons more than anything. I know that beavers obviously eat trees and then that creates dams. But because beavers were eating these trees and creating dams, fish came back, ducks came back, all those amphibian animals came back. And also because the wolves were um, not only chasing the deer around, they were also chasing small animals um, that were threats to, to rabbits and mice. And because the wolves were there to keep that ecosystem in check, eagles came back. And because eagles came back, uh, more birds, more ravens came back into that ecosystem. And over time, bears began to come back and kept a check on the wolves. What's the point? When you look at an ecosystem, there's a reason why it's called an ecosystem. If you take something out of an ecosystem, there's a misbalance. But it's interesting how when they threw back the wolves into the, when they threw back what belongs in the ecosystem, there was that fine balance in that particular park. So what's the point? I truly believe, even with us as Christians, I like to call it, we've got some sort of Christian ecosystem. You know, number one, we meet our Christ as Savior and we choose to make him Lord every day. We have been given a mission and we need to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and we need to remind people that we have been forgiven. But what would happen if you actually take out one of those things out of our Christian ecosystem? If you take out mission out of the ecosystem, then we, we, we forget about the lost. It simply becomes about us. When we take out the mission, we lose focus. You know, I love how um, Luke 15 says, you know, the, 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 um, the shepherd had the hundred sheep. He loses the one. He goes and hunts for the one. And the Bible says when he finds it, he puts it on his back 
and he celebrates. But the verse I like the most, it says, there will be more joy in heaven over the return of one sinner. When we lose sight of the mission, we actually are even robbing heaven of more joy for more sinners to come back to the Father. That's what happens when you remove mission out of our Christian ecosystem. What happens if we remove the Holy Spirit out of our ecosystem? There's no power. We become unreliable witnesses. There's no fruit in what we do. What happens when we remove forgiveness out of the Christian ecosystem? Then what happens is we are left with a gospel that actually says, you know, earn your way up to heaven as opposed to we have been forgiven. And that's just the message that I have for us this evening to remind us of this simple truth. But I'll leave you with the question to say, you know, if, if we are to do like a scale of one out of three, how balanced is your ecosystem? Are you still on mission? Are you still full of the Holy Spirit? Are we still telling people about, about Jesus and what he has done that you have been forgiven? Reality, some of you might say, hey, I'm not even part of this ecosystem. I'm probably like a zero out of the three. Some of you might say, hey, I'm a one out of three. The point is not about judging or anything. It's just to understand where are we sitting so that we can understand what we can do to, to get back to having a balanced ecosystem. I'm reminded of the words that Paul used when he was um, encouraging Timothy. He says, Timothy, fan into flame the spiritual gifts um, that you have. And just the point of this message is to fan into flame and make sure that the Christian ecosystem that you have is well balanced and make sure that there's none of those elements that have been taken out of your ecosystem. I'd love to pray for us this evening. So would you, would you please stand? Father, thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Thank you, Father, that you, have, you sent him on a mission. And thank you, Father, that you were faithful with the mission that you sent Jesus Christ to accomplish. And Father, this evening as we just spending time in your word, Father, some of us might be sitting at a zero out of three, some of us might be a one out of three, but ultimately, Father, in areas where, Father, we... We do not know you, Father. We pray that you speak into our hearts, you speak into our minds, Lord, so we can see Jesus as Lord and Savior. And for those, Father, that have forgotten the mission, they've forgotten the, and the, or they, they just don't have the zeal of the mission, Father, we pray that there's a fresh passion to go talk to the lost. We pray there's a fresh, uh, fresh passion to go back and just tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And for those, Father, where the, the, the spirit levels or the tank levels are low, Father, we pray just for an overflow of the Holy Spirit. Father, we are not content with just 50% or just 100%. We want an overflow. Father, we need you this evening. And Father, for some of us, it might simply be a, 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 a moment where we just have stopped obeying or being obedient to Christ. And if that's us this morning, Father, we repent of that. Show us the areas where we are rebellious. Show us the areas where we are not obedient so that we can be fully 100% obedient to Christ. Father, we love you. We need you. And we ask for this in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.